Welcome to Sunday Schmooze with Rabbi Mendy Kievman from the Chabad House Jewish Community Center on Cedar Street in Milford. Sit back, relax, and enjoy a stimulating discussion of news and humor from a Jewish perspective. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Rabbi Mendy. Good afternoon. Or is that good evening already? Wow, the day has flown by. The week has flown by. The weeks have flown by. Shavua Tov, Akutavach. I'm so excited that we're finally getting back together. It's been a little hiatus. Okay, is that a real word? Um, Peter, somebody, text me. Is that a real word? Anyway, it's been a little while. I took a little break between the holiday and uh, other amazing stuff going on around here. We took a little break and we're back. Back better than ever. And late, but better than ever. So a lot has happened over the last few weeks. But we'll stick to the most recent, which was last week. Last week, uh, a little just over a week ago, Friday and Shabbos was the holiday of Shavuos. Shavuos is the holiday when we celebrate the annual anniversary of the time that God gave us the Ten Commandments, told us the Ten Commandments. I should say the first time God told us the Ten Commandments because technically every single day we're supposed to treat the Torah and the study of Torah as if God is giving it to us today, on this very day. But the first time that God gave us the first parts of the Torah and told us the Ten Commandments is celebrated each year on the holiday of Shavuos. The holiday of Shavuos, while it's somewhat a little less known than most other holidays, it is a very, very important holiday. It's one of the three holidays known as the Regalim, the Shalash Regalim, the three times a year that every Jew was commanded to come to the temple and take part in the service during that holiday. The other two is the holiday of Sukkot and Pesach. Then, of course, we have the important holidays of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, but they don't fall under the category of the three walking holidays, the three holidays we were expected to come to the Holy Temple in Jerusalem back in Temple times. So the holiday of Shavu is a very, very important holiday, but even more so important because of its message. You see, it's interesting that every holiday has a specific mitzvah connected to it. The holiday of Rosh Hashanah is obviously blowing the shofar, Sukkot, you're eating in the sukkah, you're, surra- you're surrounded by godliness, you're we're shaking the little of an esrik, Pesach, we're eating matzah. Every holiday has its mitzvah. But interestingly, Shavuos doesn't really have a specific Shavuos-connected mitzvah. Now obviously, we have the amazing custom, the custom I love so much, which is to eat dairy foods on the first day of Shavuos. 
And if we have time, I'll play a message from Rabbi Waiwai about why we eat dairy foods on Shavuos. We have the custom to stay up all night and study Torah leading up to the time when God gave us the Torah 3,335 years ago. So each year, the night before, we stay up all night. And of course, we listen to the reading of the Ten Commandments on the first day of Shuas. But there's no unique mitzvah. We, we read the Torah every Shabbos. We read the Torah three times a week, Monday, Thursday, and Shabbos. We refrain from work on every holiday, on every Shabbos. We eat, you know, special foods, unique foods, customized foods, every holiday. But there's no commandment about a unique kind of food to eat on Shavuos. Why is that? Why isn't there, at such a pivotal, important moment in our history, the time when God told us, I am choosing you as my nation. And we say it in our prayer on every holiday, Ata v'chartanu mikola amen. God, you have chosen us from all the nations. We were given the job to be the light unto the nations. To be there, to, to do God's mission, to make the world a better place, and to inspire all we encounter. At such a special time, there's no special mitzvah. The time when God chose us and we chose God. And maybe we can say that that is the point. God chose us just for who we are, not for what we do. When it comes to Passover, we eat matzah to remember you know, that this holiday represents God's um, redemption, the, 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 the fact that God redeems us from our slavery and bondage in all forms and sorts. We eat in a sukkah to remind us of God's protective powers. We blow shofar, coronation of God. But Shavuos is a holiday which talks about our essence. Our essence is that we were chosen by God despite how much we do or we don't do. Our connection can never be broken. He chose us and we choose Him. And that is not based on what we do. Like a parent and a child, a parent and a child don't become parent and child to each other based on how much the child does or how much the parent does for the child. A parent could do nothing, a child could do nothing, and they're still parent and child. That connection is everlasting. And similarly, our connection with God, highlighted during this holiday of Shavuos, is one that can never be broken. Whether we're doing a lot or we're not doing anything. So if that can't be broken, we might as well do more. If we have the opportunity to do a lot, let's do it. And this year was really special. It's the year of Hakel. It's the year of gathering together Jews. And because of that, I think we had an overflowing crowd. I don't remember the last time we had such a huge crowd at Chabad at all, let alone during the holiday of Shavuos, a packed house. We set up the room filled with chairs. The bima had like 
four inches on each side, just enough to squeeze some skinny people on each side of the bima. Naturally, I couldn't stand near the bima. But it was a packed room with chairs, no tables, just chairs. And we had to squeeze in more chairs as more people came. And we had to, in the end, people were just standing along the sides and the back. A packed, packed house to come here, the Ten Commandments being read for the 3,335th time. And as we've been doing now for a while, along with the holiday of Shavuos, which is also very connected with the education of children, because when God gave the Torah, He asked us, who is going to be your guarantor that you're going to keep the Torah? And the Jewish people offered up our forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and God said, no, that's not good enough. And then He said, the prophets, and God said, not good enough. The righteous people, not good enough. Finally, the Jewish people said, how about our children? They'll be the guarantors to keep the Torah going. And God said, ah, that's what I was looking for. If the children are involved and excited about Yiddishkeit, about Judaism, then Judaism will continue and thrive. Nothing to worry about. And that's what Chabad has been doing. And Rachi has taken the lead in our amazing Hebrew school. The children have an opportunity not just to learn. That's wonderful. Learning is good. But even more than that, the children have a chance to experience and enjoy Judaism. How many of us, and I was talking to a parent today, we had the uh, official graduation uh, this morning slash afternoon. We had the official graduation for the Hebrew school, the last day of the Hebrew school for the year. And a parent was talking to me about how their child was in a different Hebrew school and, and they felt they wanted the child to have excitement. And when they came here, not only did that child enjoy it so much that they brought their other children and then they brought friends to come to the Hebrew school because Rachi exudes, another word I think is the right word, Rachi exudes the joy of Judaism. The joy, of, you know, Judaism with the joy, not the oi. So many people grew up with a Judaism that was filled with oi. Oi this and oi ve that. And Hebrew school was a burden. Some people still have to go to therapy for the Hebrew school experience, the PTSD they had from Hebrew school. But that's not what it's supposed to be. Judaism is our life. Our life is not supposed to be oy vey. Our lives are supposed to be joy. Our lives are supposed to be filled with joy. And that's what the children get here at the Chabad Hebrew school. So on Shavuos, they did a beautiful program. The children sang their songs that they prepared about the trust in Hashem and the belief in Hashem. If I'm able to get a hold of that, uh, the link to that song, I'll play the song today, if not today, maybe another week, of uh, I believe in Hashem, I trust in Hashem, whatever. I don't even know the song. The kids knew it so well, I don't know it that well. That Hashem is always there with us, holding our hand to make sure that no matter where, where we are and what situation we're in, He's there with us. So it was a beautiful event, followed by, of course, the delicious um, ice cream party, dairy, delicious uh, foods that Rachel prepared with pastas and, and um, 
um, blintzes and uh, salads and ice cream, of course, um, all sorts of delicious yummies that we had during uh, Shavuos. So that was really, really wonderful. And then today, we had the official last day of Hebrew school, a brunch, another full house of parents and grandparents and children who celebrated uh, another successful year. And at the same time, we got to launch the official C-Teen Junior program, which will be taking beginning next year. We're going to have this program. You'll be able to sign up your children. Children between the ages of 12 to 16 can now join the C-Teen program, which will take place on Sundays in the evening. And they'll do a special, not just learning Hebrew, but they'll do a lot more hands-on as they prepare for their, continue preparing and continue doing for their lives as Jewish adults. The girls who turn 12 become a bat mitzvah and the boys who turn 13 become a bar mitzvah. So it's an amazing new program that we're beginning. And we look forward to not only you um, signing up your children or grandchildren, but also inviting others in the community some who've had good Hebrew school experiences and some who may have not, but to now use out their teenage years to continuously enjoy their Yiddishkeit. Now, everything, as Val Shemtov tells us, everything is Bahashkacha Pratis, everything is by divine design. That everything is prepared by Hashem, and it was very interesting that. Shavuos, we celebrated God giving us the Torah. And that week before Shavuos, and I talked a little bit about it during the holiday, there was a, an amazing uh, world record that a book known as the Codex Sassoon was sold at, at a Sotheby auction in New York for $38 million. What is this manuscript? It's the oldest known copy of the Bible. It's handwritten, but not as a scroll. It's handwritten like a book. But the pages are, are parchment, the hand, and it's handwritten you know, with, with ink like a, a Torah was written. But it has the vowels and it has the contonations, the uh, trup as well in there. And this is over a thousand years old. And it sold for, like I said, an astounding $38 million, which set a new record for the highest amount ever paid for a manuscript. So what is it about ancient wisdom that captivates our imagination? Obviously, there's the historical aspect that comes with something like this. It's remarkable to hold a piece of history that belonged to people who lived many years before us. In fact, when it was at the Sotheby auction house, my friend uh, from New York, Long Island, Rabbi Heber, he actually went to see it up close. There's something beautiful about that. But to say the truth, the allure in this is, is I think, even deeper. It's fascinating to see how a text which was written, like I said, over a thousand years ago, can still be written, I'm sorry, can still be relevant and, and uh, uh, still applied, applicable to our modern life. 
No, the ho- and it fit, came perfectly at the holiday of Shavuos, when God gave us the Torah at Mount Sinai, and the crown jewel of the text of the Torah is the Ten Commandments. If you think about it, I, and I, I may be correct in this fact that there's probably no other ancient text that had such a profound influence on the entire world as well as the most recognized text by the entire world. Now each commandment has its unique message and really deserves its own attention. Is believing in God really important? Is respecting our parents really, really important? Leading a moral, decent life really, really, really important? They go on. Not to covet something that doesn't belong to you. Every, ca- every commandment has a powerful message on its own. Now, when you take them together, you get a message that is extremely necessary for our lives. To remember to reach outside of our comfort level, to care for our moral values, to care for our families, and to care for our community. And this message is maybe most relevant now than ever before. Because we live in a time when billions of dollars are being spent in advertising and, and, and all sorts of, I guess, all sorts of advertising, convincing us that we have to focus more on ourselves. If we only spend a little more money on buying a new car, then we'll be happier. If we try the latest uh, new flavor of, of coffee or latte, we'll feel better. If we get the newest uh, iPhone, oh, our lives will improve. But what these advertisements don't tell us is that when we focus on things outside of ourselves, will actually make us much happier. And let me give you examples from real science. Right? They say science doesn't lie. Real science. When we are kind to others, we feel better. This is from the Mayo Clinic. I'm reading it right off their website. Being kind boosts serotonin and dopamine. Is it dopamine? Dopamine. Doctors in the house, let me know. Is that dopamine or dopamine? D-O-P-A-M-I-N-E. Which are neurotransmitters in the brain that give you feelings of satisfaction and well-being and cause the pleasure slash reward centers in your brain to light up. Can you imagine that? Being kind to others literally gives you pleasure. There's more, okay, from the Cleveland Clinic that volunteering will make you less stressed. Here, let me read from the website. Studies have indicated that volunteering is great for your mental health. It's been shown to decrease stress levels, depression, anxiety, and boost your overall health and satisfaction with life. See that? We have the mitzvah brigade here at Chabad where people volunteer to do mitzvahs, whether to go to, to senior living facilities and give out challah or various other mitzvahs that we have throughout the week, throughout the month. And you didn't know till now that by taking part in that volunteer, in that mitzvah brigade, 
you're actually lowering your chance of depression, anxiety, and you're, and you're boosting your all-around health. And this is not, I didn't make this up. This is not even written in the Torah like this. This is right out of the Cleveland Clinic website. And finally, having a relationship with God works wonders for both our physical and our mental health. And this is from Harvard News. And it says as follows, Another study found that patients' religious involvement and spirituality are linked with better health outcomes such as greater longevity, better quality of life, even during terminal illness, less anxiety, depression, and suicide. Again, it's coming from Harvard News. You and I both know that our world is very much in need of better happiness and better mental health. The celebration we had last week of the Ten Commandments is an annual reminder of how ancient wisdom can be the best modern medicine that we so desperately need. By caring more for others, strengthening our, strengthening our relationship with God, by doing more acts of goodness and kindness, not only are we making the world a better place, we're also making our inner world a better place. And now I'll flip it again, which in, in, by, by osmosis makes the world the best place it can be. I heard this great song uh, by a group called Evsimchas, uh, sorry about that, which means in joyous occasions uh, with its leader, Yishai Lapidut. It's a, it's a, it's a song, you know, many of you know, Od Avinu Chai, our father is still alive, Am Yisrael Chai, the nation, the Jewish people are still alive and will always be.
I love this high-powered stuff. Before we continue, guys, grab a yarmulke, a hat, put something on your head. Take everyone, take your right hand, cover your eyes, and let's all say together. Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kivod Malchuso Leolam Va'ed. If you have a pushka, please take some coins or bills. Make your day and your week a charitable week by giving some tzedakah. And now let's say a bracha on a drink. I'll give you a second to grab your drink. Here we go. Baruch Ata Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Shehakol Nihiyah Bidbaro. Chaim. And one of the things that makes Rachi's Hebrew school stand out is not only that the kids who study to read Hebrew can now say Chala correctly, but they can also show off to their friends and say the word Chutzpah correctly. How many people say Chutzpah, Chutzpah, Kutzpah, Kala, Kali, Kuli, and not say the words correctly? But besides that, you know, in many Hebrew schools, at the end of Hebrew school, they'll be thanking the teachers, you know, you taught me Hebrew a little bit, or you taught me uh, about a holiday, or whatever it is. At Chabad, they're also thanking Rachi, besides for learning Hebrew, and about the holidays, and about the joy of being a Jew, about the delicious challah, and all the other wonderful things that the kids bake, because everything at Chabad Hebrew school is hands-on. So if there's a discussion about Shabbos, you betcha that they're going to be making challah and be drinking grape juice to make Kiddush. And, and if they're talking about Hanukkah, they're making sufganiyot and latkes. And at Purim, they're making the hamantashen. Uh, uh, um, um, at Pesach, they're making matzah. And I know uh, it was we were encouraged to reopen our, our model matzah bakery for next year, Pesach, which Amir Tzashem we're going to do. This year was tough to do as we were in... Uh, Israel just before Pesach, and then the Jukyu uh, Shabbaton was right after right after we got back. But that's the plan for this coming year. One of the other plans. But one thing you know, whenever you have two people who make the same dish of food and they could often use the exact same recipe, for some reason, one person makes it and tastes one way, and another person makes it taste a different way. Why is that? Because the reality is that it's not just the recipe that affects the taste. There's other pieces in this too. There's other pieces to the puzzle. There's the cook. There's the baker. Was there a saying like a candlestick maker? I don't know. It's the one who creates the food that makes the difference in how it's going to taste. Each and every individual has their own flavor, their own special touch that only they can add to their cake or dish that they're making. Yesterday, we read in the Torah, from the Torah, the longest Torah portion in the Torah. It's Parsha Nasser. 
And the reason why it's the longest Torah portion of Torah, well, one of the reasons is because we read something interesting about our ancestors when they were traveling in the desert. See, they built the Mishkan, which was the traveling holy temple. And when they went to inaugurate it, the leaders of each tribe, we had 12 tribes, the leaders of each tribe brought an offering. Now, interestingly, each leader brought the exact same offering. And they brought it in the exact same way as all the other leaders of the tribes. Yet the Torah that we read yesterday goes ahead and it lists every one of their offerings, even though they were exactly the same. And as I talked about yesterday at the Fabrengen, a beautiful Fabrengen with a baby naming, delicious food, as Rachi always does, we were talking about at the Fabrengen that the Torah is very known. One of the things we know about the Torah is that it is concise. There's not an extra word, there's not even an extra letter in the Torah. And any time that one may see something that looks like an extra letter or an extra word or even an extra verse, there has to be a lesson for us to learn from that supposed extra thing in the Torah. So here, the Torah repeats again and again and again, 12 times, the exact same sacrifice, offering that they brought. Why? The reason why they're listed individually is because even though it seemed that all the offerings were exactly the same, the truth is that every tribe brought its own special gift. And therefore, it came with its own unique flavor. In other words, who was bringing the gift was as important or more important than what was being brought. And there's an extremely important lesson that we talked about yesterday just before we started reading the, the, the Torah. You see, every single one of us is unique and special. We all have our own unique talents and gifts. No two basketball players are the same. No two teachers teach exactly the same. And we need to recognize that each and every one of us have something to offer to our families, to our communities, and really to the world that nobody in the world can offer. I and every single one of us need to just focus on what I can do with my God-given talents to make the world a better place than what it was before I got here. This is a really important message to think at a birthday. You know, in almost exactly a week, next Sunday evening and Monday, as I talked about in our last Shmooz show, I'll be celebrating my 50th birthday. And every birthday is a good time to think about this thought. I haven't yet decided how to celebrate it. We'll talk about this in a little, in a little moment. But every single birthday is important to think about this. But especially at a unique decade, at a special time. In this case, the, my Jubilee birthday, the Yeovil birthday. To think about... What am I doing 
with my God-given talents to make the world a better place than what it was before I got here. Because you know and I know that we're all unique. We're all special. And we all can do and definitely should make an impact on the world. As you know, one of the wonderful things that I do in the weeks leading up to and after, right after my birthday, is to get people, guys, over 13 to put on tefillin. And every year, I make a goal to put on. This year, I'm going to throw it out there, as it is the Jubilee year, to get at least 50 guys who are ready to put on tefillin over the next two weeks, between this week and next week, which is the week before my birthday and the week after my birthday, to put on tefillin with me. And so I can really celebrate what the number 50 means. I'm especially looking for guys who don't put on tefillin yet. If you don't put on tefillin yet every day, I would love you to make it an app- a point to get together, either to come see me sometime during this next two weeks, or for me to come visit you at your home or your office to help you put on tefillin. It's a mitzvah that takes 60 seconds. And if you stretch it out, maybe it's 120 seconds. But it's a mitzvah that impacts your whole day, your whole week, and possibly your whole life, especially if you've never done it before. So I'd like to ask you to reach out to me. It'll be a wonderful birthday gift to help me help you put on tefillin. And women, if you'd like to do a mitzvah in my honor as well, this coming Friday, the Friday before my birthday, please light Shabbos candles on time. In our email, weekly email, or in the calendar, it says when the time to light the candles are. And please light it on time. And take a picture, a selfie, or have someone else take a picture just before you light the candles. Not after you light them, because then it becomes Shabbos already. Take the picture just before. Set up the candles. Have your um, matches or lighter ready. Have a couple of coins and a pushka. Put some coins in the pushka and take a picture. And then put away your camera and uh, light your Shabbos candles. And when you light your candles, it's a very auspicious time to ask for a blessing. So please, ask God for a blessing for me and for my family and for all of us who are really part of the same mishpacha, the whole community, to be able to have a shnas atzlach, a good and su- successful year ahead. And talking about the times of candle lighting in the calendar, it reminds me that we're right now beginning our, the process of producing the new calendar for the 2023-2024 slash year, the year of 5784 since creation. We always produce a beautiful full-color calendar with artwork, and in it has uh, community members' birthdays and yard sites, anniversaries, and other occasions. And you can personalize the calendar with your own family's birthdays and celebrations by going to our website and clicking on the banner. It was also in the email I sent on Friday. It'll be in the email the next couple of weeks. But the due date to have it all in is June 23rd, which by chance, well, nothing's by chance, but by divine design, it uh, is also my secular birthday. So 
please join us. It's an amazing fundraiser for Chabad, but more importantly, it gets a free calendar into the hands of thousands of Jewish homes and businesses throughout the greater Milford and Metro West communities. So go ahead, go to our website, gatchabad.com, and put your family into the most amazing calendar that exists. There's a great song I heard. It's mostly in Hebrew, a little bit of English. It's a song by Mordechai Shapiro. It's called Ani Yehudi. Ani Yehudi, the Hebrew word for the day, brought to you by the Armenians. I am a Jew. And the song continues, Ani Lomit Bayesh. I am a Jew and I'm not embarrassed. Whether you wear your yarmulke or you dress like a Jew, your tzitzis hanging out, or you put on tefillin in the public, you're, pr- you're a Jew and you're proud, and you'll sing it out loud. Enjoy. Oftentimes, we talk about the meaning of the word Torah. 
Some people, Torah, what is this? The Bible. The Bible is a translation of Torah. Well, sort of. But what does the word Torah mean? And I talk about this very often. So anyone who's been to any class or any davening, it's come up a million times. Some people think Torah is a history book. It's a story book. Some people say it's a book of laws. But those of you who know, you know that Torah literally means instruction. It's like the same word as hora'ah, which means instruction. Everything that's in the Torah has an instruction for us, which leads to an important question. Again, in the very long portion we had yesterday, we also have a few verses which talk about the most potent and powerful blessing that exists. It tells us the blessing which was limited ostensibly just to the Kohanim, just to the the, 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 the family of the Kohens and, and those who were descendants of Aharon, the high priest. And the, and the Torah tells us that God tells Moses to tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you should bless the children of Israel, saying to them, and you may know this prayer of Rechacha, may the Lord bless you and watch over you. May the Lord cause his countenance to shine to you and favor you. And may the Lord raise his countenance towards you and grant you peace. And it ends off, they shall bestow my name upon the children of Israel so that I will bless them. It's a beautiful blessing that the Kohen gives us at every holiday. It's also a blessing that parents tend to give their children at the onset of Yom Kippur, the holiest day of the year. Some parents even give it to their children every single Friday before Shabbos. It's a tremendous blessing. It contains all the goodness that we can ever ask for and given to us by God through His conduit, yes, bracha, through His conduit, which is the holy Kohanim, the priestly family. Now, during the times when the temple stood in Jerusalem, the, the Kohanim were obligated to bless all the Jewish people in the temple with this special blessing every single day. And the same thing occurred in every synagogue throughout Israel. Now, this continues even till today. But it's different in different places, how often, how frequent it gets done. So in some Sephardic communities, it's done every day. In many uh, congregations in Israel, especially in Jerusalem, it's done every Shabbos. In Ashkenazic uh, uh, communities outside of Israel, it's done during the major holidays of Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, Simchas Torah, Pesach, and Shavuos. The Kohen gets up and recites the beautiful blessing. But regardless of how often it's done, it's a mitzvah that's really only relevant to the Kohen. So what instruction, being that it's in the Torah portion yesterday, so it has to have an instruction to the rest of us. Now, interesting, you know, every time you say a blessing, and if you're saying a blessing with me, you're supposed to do the mitzvah or whatever it is you're doing with the blessing right away. For instance, if you say a blessing on a food, you got to drink, uh, you got to eat some of it as soon as you say the blessing. It's on a, a drink, on a, a, a blessing on a drink. You have to take a sip, a drink, before you talk, before you make an interruption. And oftentimes we have people, especially at a l'chaim, people have the cup in the hand, they say the bracha, and they're, they're saying l'chaim. You don't. You first take a little sip because whatever the blessing is on, you have to do that right away. If you're doing a mitzvah, blessing on a mitzvah, 
You're putting on tefillin. You say the blessing on tefillin, you have to wrap the tefillin right away. You're putting on a talus. You wrap the talus right away. Now, interestingly, every morning, we say a blessing. In fact, we say three blessings for the mitzvah of studying Torah. Studying Torah. It's a, it's a mitzvah. Like all the other mitzvahs, you make a blessing on lighting candles, you make a blessing on eating matzah, you make a blessing on, on, on lighting Hanukkah candles, on, on, the, on the sound of the shofar. You make a blessing on the study of Torah. We do this every single morning. And then, just like every other mitzvah, as soon as you make the blessing on the shofar, you blow the shofar. As soon as you make the blessing on the matzah, you eat the matzah. As soon as you make a blessing on the challah, you eat the challah. Right away. It's the same thing. As soon as we say the blessings in the morning, we don't want to waste any time. And immediately, we study some Torah. Now, which Torah, what do we study? What was instituted to be the words of Torah that we should read right after we say the blessing? You guessed it. After we say the blessing on the Torah, we recite these verses that was in yesterday's Torah portion about the Kohen's blessing. The blessing that the Kohen has to give us. It's printed in every standard siddur, every standard prayer book. Because Judaism wants us to start our day with an attitude of blessing. So, yes, the ritual obligation to bless the Jewish people from the temple, the holy temple, was commanded to the Kohen. And they alone can do this in the formal setting of the Holy Temple and during the official shul service during the holidays. But the ability to bless others is universal. Everyone can share in blessings as long as you do it joyfully and lovingly. Which leads to another point. That the blessing... That the, so the Kohen, just to give a little background quickly, before the Kohen goes up to bless the Jewish people, they take off their shoes because it's, it's one of the, um, just like in the temple, the Kohen didn't wear shoes. Similarly, when they're doing this temple-like uh, service of blessing the Jewish people, they take off their shoes. They don't wear shoes for that. And then they wash their hands, but they don't wash their hands themselves. But just like in the temple, the Levites, the Levi, the people from the tribe of Levi would wash the Kohen's hands. So too, even now, the Levi washes the Kohen's hands with, you know, with a washing cup. And then the Kohen goes up onto the stage. And in Hebrew, the stage is called a duchan, a stage, which leads to the Yiddish word of the day. It was, the, the word was taken from the Hebrew word duchan, and the word used for the blessing of the coin is called duchening. Every coin has heard that term. Duchening. The coin goes up on the stage and duchens. Duchens means to bless the Jewish people. But it comes from the word stage, that they go up on the stage. And then, before they start, they say a beautiful blessing. And after they say the blessing, they cover themselves with a talus and they pick up their hands in a very funny shape. And you may have noticed there's a famous, I don't know if it's in Star Wars or Star Trek. It's called like the Vulcan something or other. I don't remember right now. But there was a, there was a Jewish guy 
who grew up here in Boston, like in Malden. He's like the main character on that show or that movie. I've seen it. The 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 guy came to a um, to one of the Chabad telethons on the west coast of, of, of in, in California that he helped raise money for the Chabad uh, drug center out in California. And he he got up on stage and he did it. And they were telling me that it's part of this movie or TV show or something like that. And it's called like, I, I, I just, somebody will let me know. It's a Vulcan something or other. And, and he holds his hands in a very special way. And that's because that actor is actually a Kohen. And you know, that's the, the joke of may the force be with you. Um, he's a coin, and he used that in the uh, movie. And then they say the blessing. And this is very, very interesting, the blessing that they say. The blessing they say is like every other blessing for a mitzvah. Baruch atah Hashem elokeinu melech haolam. Asher kiddishanu b'mitzvosavitzivanu. That you have sanctified us with the mitzvahs and commanded us. Levarech es amo Yisrael b'ahava. And they say the word be Ava. The last word it means to bless your people with love. That's what the blessing that the Kohen says. In Arshul, on a regular basis, we have our Kohen Marty and Richie that give this beautiful blessing. And people go to Shul specially to get this blessing. And the reason is because. Every blessing, you know, there's a, a flow of goodness coming from God. And sometimes it gets blocked. The, the flow slows down. But the Kohen blessing speeds up the flow of goodness. So people bring their babies and children. And everyone runs to Shul, every Yom Tif, to hear the blessing. Now, the last words in the Torah, when it talks about the blessing, it says, when you, the Kohen, blesses the Jewish people, God blesses the Kohen. So actually, while they're blessing us, they get blessed by God. So they have a very good quality of their blessing, bringing God's blessing quickly to us. But they, they say it in a way that He should bless your people with love. What does it mean? Does it mean to bless them lovingly? Or maybe it means to bless the Jewish people to love one another? Or does it mean this? That your deepest, highest, purest, greatest quality is your love. When you bless people, don't hold back. Bless them with everything you've got, even with your love. What does it mean to bless people with love? It means to truly, truly wish the very best for them. So whether you're a Kohen or you're a regular guy like me and you're blessing another Jew, you bless them with everything that you expect them to have. To want them, to want for them exactly what you want for yourself and maybe even more than that. To want all that for them and to really, really want it. A person who blesses people with love thinks about it and is concerned about that the blessing should come true. You'll make phone calls, you'll write letters, you'll move heaven and earth to help those blessings come true. When you really want something, speaking it is only the beginning. And then you got to go about making it happen. A person who blesses others with love 
blesses them and then rolls up his sleeves and does what he can to bring that blessing down to earth. So when the Kohen says to bless your people with love, it means more than just hoping that God will be good to them. To bless with love means you'll talk to God about it. You'll pray for these people. You'll give charity for them. You'll make a hundred phone calls for them. You'll pour out your heart when you light Shabbos candles and have them in mind. To bless others with love is to give your children and grandchildren the awesome, priceless privilege of growing up with someone who cares, truly cares about other people. To bless others with love is the only way to guarantee that the blessing will have a real impact. Because regardless of whether your blessing comes true or not, the people who you bless can sense that their need and their challenge really bothers you, just like it bothers them. The previous Rebbe tells a story that there were once two drunks sitting in a, in a street in, 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 in uh, Moscow, and one drunk says to the other, you're not my friend. And the other guy says, what are you talking about? I'm your best friend. He says, no, no, no. You're not my friend. I don't know what you're talking about. We've been friends for years. We've been drinking buddies for years. He says, really? If you're my friend, tell me. What's bothering me now? And the other drunk was stumped. It almost rhymes. And the Friedrich Rebbe, the previous Rebbe said, that's an important lesson. To truly love someone is to know what's bothering them and not just know but to actually try to do something about it because the people you try to help even the very no matter who they are are helped whether you succeed or whether you don't because they're helped by the mere fact that they know you mean it and that your desire for them to have happiness and success is important to you and that is enough for someone to feel bigger, better, brighter than they felt before you blessed them. Blessing others lovingly, the Kohens teach us, is a good and kind mitzvah. Blessing others to love one another is special and wonderful. But blessing others with your love and with everything you have, your time, your resources, your attention, your care, your talents and skills, your passion, your experiences. That's something that is way, way better and different. You know, oftentimes we talk about the Hebrew word for the day, the Yiddish word for the day, two words that we did today. I wanted to do a bunch of them. I have a list of some 10 or 15 words that I would love to go through, but just two of them that we talked about today. One is the word Torah, which I said literally means guide or instruction because Oftentimes words have meaning, but they have a much deeper meaning. And I, and I always feel that a, a great thing to do on our show is to talk about words. So we talked about Torah, that it means a guide, it means instruction. Because while the, the Torah generally refers to the five books of Moses, which contains God's instructions, more broadly, the Torah refers to the entire uh, Jewish spiritual scholarship. 
and it's connected to the word lesson because everything has to be a lesson to us. And the other word was ahava. Ahava is the Hebrew word for love. Just as the Kohen blesses us with love, just like we have to bless others with our love. And the Torah speaks ex- uh, um, extensively about love. There's many different kinds of ava. There's an ava between God and our, His people. There's a love that we have to have for each other. But here's a really cool part. Ava, love, is etymologically connected to the word hav. Hav means to give. When you give, you love. And sometimes people say, oh, this person uh, doesn't love me. This, that, the other. You want love? Give. Give, give, and give some more. Give some of your care. Give some of your feelings. Give s- just them knowing that you're there. How much more so giving a helping hand to somebody. That induces love in yourself to them and them to you. I want to put on a short clip of Avram Fried singing uh, part of the Birchas Koenim, the Duchening, as we do here in our shul every Yamtif, and then the Kohen can uh, the Kohanim that we have on uh, uh, in our community and listening in could uh, use this to learn and and uh, practice the singing of this beautiful blessing. <laughs> We are told that this is the way they sang the priestly blessing in the Holy Temple thousands of years ago. I know we're running up against the clock over here, but we've missed a couple of weeks, so I feel I can end today with a beautiful story that my friend told, my friend who's an army chaplain in Maryland, Rabbi Chesky Tenenbaum. He was invited to a special army chaplain conference that was at a Maryland army base. Most of the chaplains are obviously not Jewish. 
And one of the chaplains introduced himself by the name Usher. And he said, wow, that sounds very Jewish. Other than the fact that he was a Methodist minister, he was ultra interested why this Methodist minister had the name Usher. So he went over to him afterwards and he asked him what he's saying in Yiddish, my high, the Yiddish word that they brought, brought to you by um, the Kate's Financial Services. Well, it's one of the Yiddish words of the day. My high, what's this all about? He said, well, he grew up in Ukraine. Both his parents were Jewish, but growing up in Ukraine back then, religion was a criminal word. So he never knew much about being Jewish. So Rabbi Tenenbaum asked him, did you have a bar mitzvah? He said, no way! That would have been way too dangerous to have a bar mitzvah. So he said, Usher, I want to tell you something. That according to Jewish law, you are 100% Jewish. And then Rabbi Tenenbaum in good Chabad style continued and told him, one of the major parts of becoming a bar mitzvah, besides, of course, your 13th birthday, is the mitzvah of putting on tefillin for the very first time. And he says, you know, we can do it now. And you can celebrate, so to speak, celebrate your bar mitzvah right here. What do you think? So Usher shrugged and says, sure, you know, why not? So he went over to the chief chaplain, who was not Jewish, and he said to him, how would you like to host a bar mitzvah? <laughs> so the guy said, I would love it. That would be the coolest thing. At the Maryland Army uh, Chaplain Training Conference, we're going to host a bar mitzvah. That's awesome. So he said, but let's do it right. So the next day, after lunch, the chief chaplain called everyone together and he told them, your lunch was your bar mitzvah dinner. And he says, the rabbi here has a special ceremony to perform. Everyone, please give him your attention. And so, Rabbi Cheski had 40 peers of wide-eyed, non-Jewish chaplains looking at him as he helped Usher put on tefillin for the very first time. And then, loudly, he explained to the audience the significance of tefillin, the background of the mitzvah, and what it does as it networks our intellect and our emotions and our actions to godliness. And then he turned to Usher and he said to him, now repeat after me. And he said, Shema. And Usher repeated, Shema. And then he said, Yisrael. And automatically, Usher on his own continued, Yisrael, Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Said it fluently, without a break, as it, as it flooded back and as his eyes flooded with tears. It had been years since the last time he said Shema. He eventually became a Methodist minister. But his Pintalayid, that essence of Yiddishkeit that was inside of him, never forgot the words of Shema. So he helped him, and as he was taking off the tefillin, he started singing, you know, with a joyous rendition of Simmen Tov, Mazel Tov. You know the song we sing? We sang it here at a bar mitzvah last week. And all the chaplains are sitting there clapping their hands to the song of Simmen Tov and Mazel Tov. 
And then the chief chaplain got up and said, I definitely felt the Holy Spirit was resting here today. But that's not the end of the story. It's a wonderful, beautiful story, but that's not the end. A few days later, Usher sent my friend, Rabbi Tenenbaum, he sent him a message. He told him, go ahead, I want you to read my blog. And when he went to the blog, he said it was a heartbreaking picture of the Nazis rounding up the Belarusian Jews. What does it say? Belarus. Belarus, the Jews of Belarus. And he had a caption underneath that picture. And it's and, uh, on this Usher's, uh, this Methodist minister's uh, blog. It said, any one of these Nazis could be the one who killed my aunts and uncles. Or as we say in Massachusetts, my aunts and uncles. And then underneath that picture, he had another picture. The picture of Usher putting on tefillin together with Rabbi Chesky Tenenbaum. And under that, he had the caption, and this is my answer to those Nazis. Ladies and gentlemen, we don't live in Nazi Germany. We live in the beautiful, free country of the United States of America. And for those of you listening to me from outside, you live in some other beautiful country. We live in freedom. There's no persecution about how and when we should observe our Judaism. And yet some of us have the hardest time doing it. Think about that Jew usher who really had a hard time and the Jews, a hard time keeping his Yiddishkeit and the Jews who were murdered by the Nazis who really had a hard time keeping the Yiddishkeit. And remember that you can easily do the mitzvahs, put on tefillin, light Shabbos candles, Keep kosher. Give tzedakah every day. Put mezuzahs up on your doors in your house. Love your fellow Jew. Study Torah. Give your children and grandchildren an amazing Jewish education. Study the Rambam. We're coming up soon to the conclusion of the first book of Rambam. So many of you have been studying it. And I'm really excited to celebrate the conclusion of the first book together with all of you. And please continue sending me your comments and questions about what you're studying. And most importantly, do mitzvahs every single day because you can and you can bring Mashiach. Ladies and gentlemen, I know it's late in the day. It's definitely evening by now. And I'm really excited excited that you took part in today's schmooze. And I want you to remember that your next deed will change the world. That's right. You come here or I come there and put on film with you. If you light Shabbos candles, if you give coins to charity every day, your next deed will change the world. So make it a good one. Lechayim! You've been listening to Sunday Schmooze with Rabbi Mendy Kievman from the Chabad House Jewish Community Center on Cedar Street in Milford. For more information on the Chabad House, including upcoming events, adult programs, Hebrew school, and more, visit gotchabad.com. That's G-O-T-C-H-A-B-A-D.com. Shalom.